Okay. Galatians chapter 5 in your Bible. Stand with me. We will read three verses. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> We are standing as we read from the scriptures, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we'll start in verse 16, reading together out loud until we finish with verse 18. Let's begin. This I say then, let's say it together, let's start over again so we're all together. Verse, chapter 5, verse 16, I want to hear everybody reading out loud. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Let's pray. Father, we need you. And I ask that the Holy Spirit now would have our attention. As we open the Word of God, please make us hungry. We are full of the world. We are full of ourselves. But we need to be full of you. So this morning, I pray that we would come to you humbly. Lord, just begging you, asking you all throughout this message, speak to me. Help me, please. The world is just going crazy, and Christians are following the world, and we are we're not wise. So help us to follow the Holy Spirit. Help us to learn to be led of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that you give us victory over everything that is holding us back. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. All right, now I want to talk to you this morning. This is actually part two, what I started a couple of weeks ago on walking in the Spirit. And as I said when I introduced this a couple of weeks back, there's a battle going on inside of you that we don't like to talk about. Usually, and can I be honest, usually when there is a fight going on inside, you'll take it out on someone else. You'll blame something else, your boss, your family situation, you'll, the, the car not starting, everything will be just an extension of a problem in you. And that battle that's going on is never going to be worked out. You can't get the two sides in the believer to get along. They never will until we get to heaven. It is the battle between our flesh and the Spirit of God in us. It's like the eternal battle between cats and dogs. Uh, it is a war that goes on that makes the Christian life complicated. If I could just, if I could just be good, <laughs> if I just didn't give in to temptation, if I didn't just have that besetting sin, <clears throat> but we do. You see... A lot of times, our, our, our spiritual battle inside discourages us. Now, I have to be honest with you. If you don't get this truth, I can't preach to you about next week, which is the spiritual battle going on, on the outside. We know there's a spiritual battle going on in this world. The politics, you watch things going on, whether it's in, in uh, London 
or whether it's over in America, Washington, D.C., the things going on in the world are not just physical. There are spiritual powers at work. But before you can ever face down and handle that spiritual battle, you better conquer the spiritual battle inside. So, last time I started to teach you how to walk in the Spirit of God. This morning, I want to build on that and hopefully make you hunger to do it. Because you got to choose to do it. All right? At some point, you got to say, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So this morning, I want to make you hungry to walk in the Spirit instead of in the flesh. All right, so by way of background, as I said, you have two natures now. If you're born again, there are two of you, okay? Uh, you heard about the man walking down the street, and the uh, uh, guy passes every day, and hears him talking to himself. And he goes, that's weird. The next day, here's that guy again passing by, going to the shop, and he's talking to himself. The guy finally stops and says, why are you always talking to yourself? He says, because I like talking to intelligent people. <clears throat> <clears throat> But Christians do have another person in them. It's kind of crazy to the world, but that's okay. We'll talk about it. You have a fleshly, natural nature. That's the nature you were born with, right? Some children are born with a calm nature, very few. Um, and, and some are very agitated. Some of them are just born happy. Some are just born angry. It, it, that's their nature. But we also have a spiritual, supernatural, Christ-like nature in us now that we're saved. Since we were born again, the first birth gave me my Craig Ledbetter nature. The second birth gives me my Christ-like nature. And that is a revelation a lot of people never really grasp. There is a conflict of voices inside of us that between those two natures, there is the loud scream of the old me crying out for attention. I'm tired. I'm upset. Um, the old you will bring up the old, your old way of thinking, all the old memories, the old bitternesses, the old habits, the old hang-ups, the old grudges, the old lusts, the old heartaches. It just The old me, I don't know about you, yes I do, we just want our own way. Just leave me alone. Just let me do what I want to do. That's the old us. Then there is the quiet voice of the Spirit of God also seeking attention. He doesn't scream. He doesn't demand. He doesn't force you. He's just constantly saying, hello, I'm here too. Uh, would you listen to me now? He constantly wants me to do right. He constantly wants me to stay humble and out of the way. He constantly wants me to serve instead of be served. So it makes it so a Christian can't ever do right. We read it there. The, the spirit has lusts, has intense desires. Lust doesn't always have a bad meaning. But that intense desire the spirit has is in direct opposition to the intense desire that I have, my flesh has. And so the two of them are, are constantly locked in an eternal battle of, and you never get anywhere. Not when you sit there and watch. Did you ever notice when you were, before you were saved, there were things that you did and you never thought, gave a second thought about? Now that you're saved, you feel guilty doing it? That's the Spirit of God. Then there's the, you, the, the, the days where you say, man, I can't wait to get to church. And just the flesh says, no. And everything goes wrong, and you just get a bad spirit, and you go, I'm not going to church. 
and you find yourself conflicting every time you want to do right, you don't do it. Every time you try to do wrong, you don't enjoy sin anymore. That's the life of the Christian. Christian's not going from success to success, prosperity to prosperity. No, it's a battle. So what did God do at our conversion when we got born again? Ephesians chapter 2 says he brought life into our spirit. Go to Ephesians, one page over. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, and you, Ephesians 2, 1, hath he quickened, he's resurrected, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now you may not have known it, you may not have uh, believed it, but it'd be like walking around with a phone, the battery is dead, it's useless. And instead of you having a battery, uh, sorry, instead of having a phone, you have a spirit that is dead towards God. It is dead toward right things. It, you're just walking around with a, with a dead spirit. Verse, look down to verse uh, 4. But God, I love those buts, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in our sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved? Verse 6, and hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, did he do that physically to you? No, you're still stuck here. But something happened in your spirit that you were resurrected, you were given new life. What did he do? He gave you eternal life when he put his spirit in you. He gave you an entirely new nature. This, this new nature he gave you has different loves, different desires, different ways of thinking. And he, um, uh, he made us brand new on the inside. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we won't go there, but it says, um, I'm trying to get my mind, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, he's a new creature. He's been made brand new. Now, when I got born again, the outside of me didn't change. But you know, if you're saved, the inside does change. And it wasn't that you were all cleaned up, you were all made perfect on the inside. No, a perfect person moved in. That's the reality of when you were born again. He made you new on the inside by bringing himself into you. Then he does something amazing. He commands us to now walk in the Spirit. You say, is that easy? No, it's not easy. I wish it was. It's hard obeying someone besides yourself. Amen. That's why a lot of people don't want to work for anybody else. They want to work their own job. They don't like going to work when the boss tells them. They don't like working until the boss says finished. Nobody, nobody likes being told what to do. But if you're, if you're saved, you have to learn to submit to another authority besides yourself. It's very important. Uh, we need to learn to sense things differently now that, uh, uh, that, than, we, than we are used to. And it takes time. Examples like if, if someone became blind, all of a sudden you, you, you go and the doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Uh, here's a walking stick. And so all of a sudden you put on those dark sunglasses and you look like a famous rock star. And you go down the street and you take that stick. And what are you trying to do? You're trying to feel your way through. You're trying to learn how to sense things going on by hearing, and by feeling, whereas you used to just rely on your sight. And when we're so used to relying on our gut feelings and on, on how we've always responded to problems, 
when we're so used to that, God asks us to learn to live by a different sense. It's a spiritual sense. Now, <clears throat> the truth is this. When you learn to walk in the Spirit, every moment that you are walking in the Spirit, you are defeating, you have defeated the old habits, the old nature, the sinful you, and you defeat it every time. Because we read there in Galatians, it says, um, uh, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You won't end up doing what the old flesh, the old you always has done. <clears throat> now, last time I told you that you've got to believe some key truths, and I wish I could preach this again because you probably need to hear this three or four times before it all sinks in, but the truth is this. You need to believe that you, the old you, is dead and now in the past. When you got born again, that was the beginning of life. You had no life before you were saved. Yeah, you had physical life, but you were a zombie. You're going through life, just going along with everybody else. You're headed to a devil's hell. It was, you didn't have to do anything to go to hell. Just keep going the way you are. Amen? Say, well, what sin sends me to hell? You're already going. Sin doesn't send you to hell. The fact you're a sinner sends you to hell. Only took one sin of disobedience for Adam and Eve to be kicked out of the garden and to be condemned by God. And they didn't murder somebody. They just disobeyed God. And the moment you got saved, the old you died and was put in the past, and God says, leave it there. Secondly, you're now and forever completely forgiven. Do you know that means that you can stumble, the devil can trip you up, temptation can, can snare you, and you're okay. Say, aren't there sins that will send me to hell? No! Christ died for how many sins? All sin, for all time. How many times does he have to die for all sins? Once. I am safe in his care. I committed my soul into his hands, and he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day, Judgment Day is going to be okay because I'm saved. Not because I'm good, not because I'm perfect, but because I'm forgiven. You're going to have to believe that you are truly free. It's the best kind of free. You're going to have to believe that sin does not rule you anymore. If uh, before you got saved, you did what everybody else was doing. You did what your flesh wanted to do. You did just what, you didn't even know it, you were a puppet of the devil. But when you got saved... That sin can't rule your, your life anymore. If sin is in your life, it's because you want it there. All right? Now, we don't have any pets in our house. You know why? Because we don't want them. Okay? And if you have a pet in your house, it's because you do want them. Amen? That's a stupid illustration, but the truth is, for a Christian, if there is sin residing in your life, if you continue to just coddle and go along with a sin in your life, it's not because it has dominion, it's because you want it there. Amen. You belong to God now. You have to believe that. The devil does, the devil does not own you. He, God owns me lock, stock, and barrel. The biblical word is body, soul, and spirit. He owns me now. I belong to God now. He's in charge of my life. You're going to have to believe the Holy Spirit is always leading you, always tugging you, always pulling you forward. Even when you say, I just feel like I, I don't sense the Holy Spirit, He's still there. Thank God. 
He sealed himself inside of each one of us. He cannot leave you or forsake you. He may go quiet, but he is still there. That's a great revelation you've got to believe. You also have to believe that Christ saved you, not for yourself. Yes, we, we know I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. That's very selfish, isn't it? I don't want to go to hell. I know I deserve hell. But I got saved not so that I can be happy. Do you know why God saved me? To serve. It, when I realize that, now I realize, wow, when this flesh is so interested in itself and so, so stuck on itself, I'm back in the old me. And when I just decide I'm going to walk in the Spirit, I'll find myself serving others. That's what he saved me to do. When you believe that, and I, one of the great things, you cannot fall all the way down. God always catches us. God is a good God. So you say, well, I've fallen. I've messed up. Yeah, the best of us have. There's not anybody who doesn't struggle with something and doesn't get tripped up by something at different times. You say, oh, but not this, not them. You have no idea. All I got to tell you is this. You cannot fall all the way back down because he's taking you up, folks. And when you mess up, that grace that saved you five years ago, 10 years ago, or 20, year, 20 minutes ago, that grace is sufficient to hold on to you all the way home. And so when you fall, he'll just pick you right back up. A just man falls seven times, and by the grace of God, he rises up again. Now, you can forfeit your freedom. You need to believe that you are, have been given, when you got the gift of God, which is eternal life, when you got born again, you got a great gift, and you're free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you are free indeed. You are freely free. But you can walk back and put yourself back in the entanglement and the bondage of your old sin. You can do that. That ought to scare you. So I aim to help you so that you don't look back and you keep your eyes on walking in the Spirit. So to actually walk in the Spirit, so number one, remember this, believe key truths. And I could give you, listen, this is why you read the Bible. What are the key truths that give you freedom? On every page in your Bible. I just gave you eight of them there. But boy, learn what is true because it makes you free. Because the Word of God has a way of prying loose the grip of sin on you Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way of life? Listen to this. That's what it says. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed, by obeying, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So if I want to get clean, if I want the grip of sin that, that I've allowed to just take over my thoughts, to take over my, my, my desires, to bring me into bad habits, I read the Bible and the, and the, the grip is gone. Now, this is where we're going to hit it. Expect to fight. <clears throat> Expect to fight. These are tactics to win against the flesh. Go back there to Galatians 5 and verse 17. We have reviewed this verse. It was our memory verse all last month. We've talked about it, but I want you to understand a great truth. Old habits die hard. Is that not true? So if you ever do try and walk in the Spirit, the flesh is going to fight you all the way. Look at verse 17. For the flesh, your flesh, your old nature, lusteth against the Spirit. Is that a big S or a little S? It's a big S. It's talking about the Holy Spirit in you. And the Spirit lusteth against the flesh. And these are contrary. 
They're at war the one to the other so that she cannot do the things that she would. So the truth is, your flesh will just not roll over and die. If I could just, if I could just get me to get out of my way. But he doesn't. He won't even let me, the old me won't let me do the will of God. It will fight you all the way and come up with needs you didn't even know you had. How many of you have kids who before, when you're putting them to bed, they'll suddenly remember, I haven't brushed my teeth. You say to Johnny, yes, you did. We just brushed your teeth. Yeah, but we didn't brush back here. I need a drink of water. I forgot to do my homework. <clears throat> read me a story. I just read two. Yeah, but, but we didn't read this one. <laughs> I feel like we need to pray again, Daddy. Uh, we already just prayed. <clears throat> and the needs just keep coming. What's the kid doing? Doesn't want to obey. Doesn't want to just, Dad said, go to bed. And so what's the kid trying to do? Stay up. Oh, Daddy, we need to pray. Yeah, and trying to act spiritual. No, they just want to stay up a little longer. That's what your flesh will do. Your flesh will come up with every reason to not do the will of God. Thankfully, thankfully, <clears throat> every time you try and go forward, your old flesh, like a spoiled brat child, will always just try to hold you back and say, don't do it, don't go to church. You know he's going to be mean. You know he's going to hurt you. <laughs> That's the old you, fighting all the way. But, uh, so determine to let the Holy Spirit win, because if you walk in the Spirit, then the flesh loses the fight every time. Because what I'm going to say is, every time the flesh puts up a fight, thankfully the Holy Spirit also puts up a fight and will help you. <clears throat> Second thing. So, believe key truths. What did I just say? What was that first point? Expect a fight. If you're going to, to, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, expect your flesh to argue, fight, resist, um, uh, come up with every excuse, um, be attracted, be diverted by something else. Second thing. Or third thing, listen to and yield to the pull of the Holy Spirit. Go to Romans chapter 6. Back to the left, Romans chapter 6 and verse 18. This is where we're going to camp for a little while. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, we need to understand some things about the Holy Spirit. John, Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And not as it was, I'm sorry, 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom ye, what's the next word? All right, that's a good word. You need to circle that word. To whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. Is that a good thing? That's fantastic. God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have right now obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being made, then made free from sin, ye became the servants of what? All right. Here's some biblical truths. Number one, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. Go to John chapter 14. 
John 14 and verse 16. <clears throat> 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Was Jesus a great comfort to this world? Wow. Never had a need. He says, I'm going away, but I will, I will ask God to give you another comforter that he may abide with you. I love it. Forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be where? In you. So biblical truth, number one, the Holy Spirit now lives in every believer. Number two, if that's true, then he affects you. He will not leave you alone. It's like being married. <laughs> Someone, that was not a bad thing to say, <laughs> meaning that someone's in your life now and ought to be affecting you every day that they're there, amen? When the Holy Spirit moved in, it wasn't just a, a, a power force. It's a person. He's a person. And as a person, he gets grieved. As a person, he goes with you everywhere. He sees what you watch. He hears what you say. That ought to wake us up. And the Holy Spirit ought to affect you. The first thing he does is he convicts us. You're in John. Go to chapter 16. John 16 and verse 7. John 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, oh, that Comforter, what's he going to do? He's going to reprove. <laughs> He will reprove the whole world of sin and of righteousness and of coming judgment. You know, the Holy Spirit inside of you is not going to let you get away with sin now. He will not let you get away. He will make you feel guilty when you never felt guilty about stuff before. Thank God. Amen. You know what this world needs? Not more morality. It needs the new birth. Because we can set up and make rules and laws, and you see how wicked people are. And I believe in having laws against sin and against flesh, but you're not going to fix anything. It all just goes sort of just under the, under the radar, and boy, is it still there. The truth is, the best people are those that the Holy Spirit has control of. And the Holy Spirit uniformly convicts of sin. That's why somebody says, I'm a Christian, and I believe that all forms of gender identity are fine, and I believe that any way that you live is fine. They're not saved at all. Because the Holy Spirit never would violate the Word of God and promote that. So the Holy Spirit convicts. I don't care how anybody is when they get saved, the Holy Spirit will never leave you alone and let you stay that way. Amen. Secondly, the Holy Spirit teaches the right way. Look back there in John chapter 14, verse 26. 14, 26. Again, what's the point? The point is you have somebody inside of you that's at work on you. And this is a great thing to realize, Brother Dean. If there is no other voice besides our conscience, which we've burned out, if there's no pull towards righteousness, if there's no, no shame at sin that we know the Bible says is clearly wrong, if there's, then the Holy Spirit's not there. Does that make sense? And secondly, he teaches us the right way. 1426, but the comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And how does he teach us? He doesn't make it up. The Holy Spirit just doesn't tell me something and then tell you something different. No, he will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. What does the Holy Spirit say? Only what God already has said. The Holy Spirit teaches you what's in the Bible. I've had people say, well, the Lord told me, and it wasn't in the Bible. I had one woman tell me, the Lord told me to divorce my husband. He did not. Lord told me to get rid of my kids. Yeah, I can understand that, but he did not. <laughs> you see, everybody's saying that, oh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If, it did, if, if your revelation disagrees with the Bible, it's of the devil. Amen. There were guys on American televangelists saying, the Lord told me to tell you that if you don't give $8 million in the next week, I'm going to die. He didn't die. And he didn't get his $8 million either. Amen. These guys are hustlers. They're liars. The Holy Spirit will teach you, though. Look in chapter 16, verse 13. You read this Bible, there's a voice in there going, do you see that? Do you understand that? Read that again. <laughs> Understand that. Look at John, 3, uh, John 16, 13. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into how much truth? Wow. For he shall not speak of himself. I, these guys are talking about, oh, I prayed to the Holy Spirit today. Oh, I worship the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm focused on the Holy Spirit. I understand what he's trying to do, but he's wrong. He will not speak of himself. But whatsoever... He hears from the Father, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll teach you what you ought to learn from the Bible. Third thing he does, to, the way that you know the Holy Spirit's affecting you, is he drives you to worship Jesus. Uh, 16, 14, look at the next verse. He, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify who? I can't hear you. Who's the me? Jesus for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So if you are full of the Holy Spirit, if you are walking in the Spirit, you know who you'll be talking about? Jesus. You know, if you hear a song on, on Pastor Ledbetter's Hour of Hymns on Friday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. or Sunday nights from 8 until 9, and you hear a song that lifts up Jesus, you'll sense inside of you there's a voice that says, Sing! Sing. That is what the Holy Spirit does in us. He worships Jesus through us. If you, don't, if you don't love coming to church to worship Jesus, then what are you here for, man? I mean, honestly, I, I mean, we're in the day of falling away. If there's anything easier to do, I don't know what it is, but it is so easy just to quit on God because he doesn't, he doesn't come against you with lightning bolts. You try to quit on the queer crowd. You try to walk away from LGBTQRST and try to go straight. They will hunt you down and they will hurt you for the rest of your life. Amen. But you walk away from God, you stop reading your Bible, you stop going to church, you stop handing out tracts, and nobody bothers you. You ever, doesn't that, doesn't that upset us? But if there's something inside of you that just says, I gotta be there, I gotta go, I gotta get there, I gotta worship, that's the Holy Spirit. He'll also enable you to do something marvelous, and he'll gift you to do it. Craig Ledbetter was an introvert. 
Craig Ledbetter would rather be staying up all night looking at stars through a telescope, drawing out what he saw, comparing it with, with photographs, marking the, the, the motion of moons around Jupiter, the, the, the tilt of Saturn. I loved astronomy. I didn't, everybody else was out drinking, everybody else was out racing, I did get into that. But everybody else was out doing their own thing, but I would rather stay up all night and look at the stars and be by myself. Then I got saved and God says, I want you to be around other people. I think, man, why would they want to be around me? And God just enables it. You don't, you don't have talent from God. You have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'll never play that dumb piano. Okay? That's a talent. That's something you learn. But when God asks you to do something, He enables you to do it. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you step back and go, that was a miracle. I gave that person the gospel. I poured my heart out, and they bowed their knee, and they asked Christ the same right then and there. And you go, how did that happen? God enabled you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You know what else the Holy Spirit does? He understands you. And He works with your limitations. Amen? Here's Moses. Moses up there on the, on the Mount, Mount Sinai, uh, first time, and he's up there talking to a burning bush. Probably felt a little uh, strange, you know. <laughs> and he's talking to that burning bush. The burning bush says, Moses, and Moses went, yes. And the burning bush says, you're going to lead all of my people out of, of Egypt. And Moses went, right. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't talk anymore. I don't want to be around people anymore. And, and God said, I'll work with you. Isn't that wonderful? God says, I'll take you and use you as you are. Moses terrified. He says, I can't go up and talk to Pharaoh. I made enemies out of Egypt. I've been out of there for 40 years. And the Lord got angry at Moses. says, Moses, mm, you can do it with my help, but instead of you doing it by yourself, by my help, I'll give you Aaron. He worked with Moses. Amen? He understands you. When the Holy Spirit is working on you, He's not driving you. But He is pushing. He is pulling. And He's working with us. He under Listen, if nobody else understands you, the Holy Spirit does because He's in you. you got to understand, there's a great rest in allowing the Holy Spirit just to use you because He knows what you can do. He knows what you can do by His grace and just by being faithful. Lastly, He will lead you if you let Him. Romans chapter 8, go to Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans 8 and verse 14. For as many as are, what's the word? Led by the Spirit of God. Now, um, Dean, you haven't found it, so just pretend like you did and put it down for a second. Come here. <laughs> Dean, you're going to be the Holy Spirit in my life. And I, Dean, I'm, I'm busy doing my own thing. I need you to get my attention and get me to go over to that window over there, okay? So whatever you got to do, get my attention and try to get me to follow you. Wow, he's got a hold of me, I, but I don't want to. Now, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he does speak. So you can use your voice and say, come over here, come with me. Come hither. <laughs> okay, F Lord. <laughs> Try it again. 
I can't hear you. Come here. All right. But why? This is a better place. This is where the Lord is. See, I picked on him because I knew he could adjust with it. I didn't warn him. <laughs> the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. How do you know that you know that you know you're saved? There's that voice always pulling you out of your comfort zone. And if he's leading and I'm not following, I'm wrong. But if when I love to follow, lead on, okay? When I love to follow him, guess what's behind me? My flesh, my old me, my, my old desires. Now, the point is this. It's a very simple illustration. You can sit down there for a second. When the Holy Spirit works on you, and I'll tell you when he works on you the easiest, when you're in church. Because what I'm saying, I'm not just whistling into the air. I'm saying what the Bible says. And I'm saying with all my heart what I've learned. And you know the Holy Spirit said he's right. Admit it. <laughs> you go, no. And that's a shame. Because that's where you need to learn. Go, yes, Lord. Wouldn't it be nice to come into church and say, Lord, whatever you want to deal with, deal with it. I will not fight you here. Amen? Because if you want me to go this way. If you want me to do that, if you, if you need me to shut up, if you need me to say something, whatever it is, I'll do it. This is where you learn the best. This is, this is home. This is where you learn to let the Holy Spirit lead you because if you don't let him lead you here, he is not going to lead you tomorrow. Amen. So, Listen to and yield to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me develop that a little bit more because if that is true, and it is, then our job is to yield. There's one key word here. It means to go with Him, to give in. There are times when in a marriage you've got to learn to give in. A lot of times you've got to learn to give in. Well, also in the Christian life. Um, it's kind of like a roundabout. When you come to a roundabout, we were in, in, in Scotland there, they do not know how to yield. <laughs> I came at a roundabout. <laughs> People passing us as I'm trying to yield there, man. Um, I don't know if they're from London or what, but when you come to a roundabout, what are you supposed to do? Slow down, yield, man, or else you want to die. And in the Christian life, you've got to learn not to be so hard-headed, so determined that the Holy Spirit can't say, whoa. Yield to whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to do or to be. Do you know an unsaved person, this is crazy. We're trying to listen to something they can't see. But for the Christian, this is liberty. Go to 2 Corinthians, to the right. 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3.17. <clears throat> Yielding to the Holy Spirit is a life of liberty and freedom. You say, yeah, but I'm having to do somebody else's bidding. You don't realize how free you are. You know why you're free? Because you're not in the bondage of sin anymore. You're never free to do as you please, folks. When you're 15, 16, that's all you want to do. Is that true? You can't wait till you're 18. You can't wait till you're 20. 
You can't wait. I can live how I want. I can do what I want. You are never free. You are more and more enslaved to yourself and to your sin and to death. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, isn't that wonderful? We already read Romans 6, it says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from, that heart, from the heart that form of doctrine which had delivered you, and being then made free from sin, ye became now the servants of righteousness. Go to Romans. I do want to read uh, chapter 6, verse 12. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. <clears throat> Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey in the lust thereof. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Who's in charge of what your body does? You are. You can choose to let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body so that you obey it in the lust thereof. Neither should you yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but instead yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Let's pretend for a moment. And you find out you have, I mean, this is a terrible example, but... I think you'll get the point. You find out you have terminal cancer and you have three weeks to live. And you try to see all your family and you, you try to get comfortable and you try to take care of all of your bills or whatever you try to do. You get all that done and the family gathers around you and they say goodbye and you're dead. And then somebody says, whoa, let's try this. And they inject you with something, you know, adrenaline or whatever, and you're back alive. Now, you've already prepared for death for the last three weeks, and you said goodbye to everybody, and all of a sudden you're waking up, and the family's around you, their eyes are bigger than yours, and they say, welcome back. How would you live having a second chance? Would you then just start, go back to the drinking? Would you then go back to all the smoking? Would you then go back and just do it? Or would you say, I got a second chance? That's what happened when you got born again, folks. You got a second chance now to live, and, and you, you desire to live by the Spirit of God, where I yield now unto Him, just as you used to yield to whatever your flesh wanted. Whatever you wanted to eat or drink, you just went with it. I mean, I go to, when I'm in the Littles, I'm watching at, at two in the afternoon or one o'clock in the afternoon, I go in there to get me a sandwich or something. And when I'm watching, there are these guys going out with two 12 packs of beer. It's two in the afternoon. You know what they're doing? Whatever they want. Whatever's in the cinema, you went and you watched. You didn't care if it was 18. You didn't care if it was uh, guidance. You didn't, you didn't care. Whatever you wanted to watch on your phone or on the internet, you just did it. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Hold on. If in the same way that I, we gave into our flesh, we learned to give into our spirits. So yield to whatever the Spirit wants you to do. 
Sometimes you're going to have to ignore that normal desire you have and just do right. It's like a waltz, okay? Uh, I don't know how to waltz. I, I, think, I think it's, you know, it's one of these dances people do. But you know, I found out in a waltz, somebody has to lead. And can I tell you, this is really crude. The Holy Spirit knows how to dance, okay? Is that a fair example? I'm the one who comes in there, and I'm just, let me do this. I want to go my way. And there's no motion. There's no joy. There's no flow. But when the Holy Spirit's in charge, your life looks beautiful. So when the, let the Holy Spirit win over your flesh. I cannot win over the flesh, but when I turn away and I desire to, to follow the Holy Spirit, I desire to obey the Scriptures, I have a desire to just do whatever He says. He helped defeat my flesh because I can't win. Now, how do you find out what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Do you know the Holy Spirit does speak? Well, he speaks, first of all, with a very still, quiet, small voice. And it's hard to hear him when all the noise is going around. Isn't that something about our day? We don't have quiet times anymore unless it's at 5 in the morning. But our generation before us grew up with bird sounds. They grew up with cows and they grew up with chickens. But it was quiet. Our stress level, from, from the moment we wake up, looking at your phone, um, Rushing out of the house, the stress level is up at the top all day long. How is the Holy Spirit going to be heard? How do you hear the Holy Spirit of God? Go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. Chapter 19 and verse 11. Speaking to Elijah. And it's God talking, and God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed right by him. And a great and a strong wind rent the mountains, a great earthquake, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord's presence. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was a what? An earthquake. Wow. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was a what? Still, small voice. Even though he's quiet, even though he doesn't drag you kicking and screaming, he is the most powerful force in your life if you will lead, yield to him. He is the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know the Holy Spirit of God? resurrected Jesus Christ. Do you realize the Holy Spirit of God helped a fisherman preach and 3,000 got saved? Do you realize the Spirit of God in you, even though he's quiet, he is powerful. You need to hear that still, small voice. You need to have time where there's no phones, no kids, no husband, no wife, no job, no distractions, and you're just listening in the Word of God. You can only hear Him while reading and obeying the words of Scripture. 
Do you know the Holy Spirit wrote everything he wants done already in the Bible? He's not going to come up with anything new. It is finished. 1 Corinthians 2 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. So as I'm reading the Bible, the Holy Ghost is trying to teach me. That's why you need to be a member of a Bible-preaching, Bible-leaving church where the Bible is preached so that you can listen to the Spirit of God. Amen. If you go to a church and it's all about fair trade and about the, the unjust wars, and if, if the church that you go to is all about being good and seeing your prayers, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit of God. So hear. You know what it says, Revelation chapter 2, eight times it says this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, there are people who do not want to be a member of a church, don't want to go to a church, and they're violating Scripture where the Holy Spirit speaks, is, speaks to churches. His power on, works on you and through you only as you yield. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. <clears throat> Paul's arguing with the Lord. He's saying, take this thorn away from me. Get this problem out of my life. Stop me from struggling and suffering God. And what does Jesus say? 12, 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, I asked him over and over again, that it might depart from me. And he instead said unto me, No, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I yield, he says. Then, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity, that the power of Christ may rest on me. What did Paul just do? He just yielded. He said, Lord, you win. If that's what you want, then that's where the power is. Did you see that? My strength, Jesus says, is made perfect in your weakness when you yield to me and to my will. What was the will for Paul? Going to prison, being beaten five times with rods, four, 40 times each time, except one time, he was only beaten 39 times, being shipwrecked, being rejected, being, being uh, chased after, stoned. What was the will of God? Suffering. And you know what Paul did? He accepted it. He yielded to it. It made him one of the greatest Christians of all time because he learned to yield. And the Word will change you as you spend time listening to them. Go back to chapter 3. You're in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 8. There's just something wonderful about reading your Bible because it changes you as you read and you yield. I know there are people... There was one bishop, uh, a Catholic bishop over in New York City named Bishop Sheen. And he bragged, he says, I read the Bible through every year, once a year. But then he said with the same breath, but I don't believe a word of it. Unbelievable. You see, that, that book, not mixed with faith, will do you no good. But if you start believing it, every word will change you. Look at your Bible. And chapter 13, uh, 3 and verse 18. Let me start back to verse 17. We've already read it. But now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
but we all, with an open face, open face means nothing between us, it's, it's just you and the Word, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, this is about Him, this is His glory, I behold the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as you read, you're beholding, not you, you're beholding Jesus, and it changes you to become like Him. That's why people sit and they go, well, I just let the Spirit lead me. Why don't you let the Word lead you? Because that's the same thing. And they'll change you. And lastly, part of your thinking. John 14, John 14, 26. Fourteen twenty-six, And I like this. It says, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your what? So all of a sudden, all the stuff that you've read in the Bible starts taking up place in your thinking, and it changes you. It actually becomes the way that you think. You have to be in the Bible to be led of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. So by me walking in the Spirit, which means yielding to His influence on me, whether pulling, pushing, um, uh, calling, grieving, encouraging, when I yield to it, I am defeating every one of my old habits because I'm focused on Him and He wins. Can I win against my flesh, yes or no? Can I just put down all my bad habits? No, I put down one, two more pop up. That's my nature. But as long as I'm walking in Him, I no longer fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Your flesh is still there, but you're not doing its will. Last point. I said the first thing is, you need to believe key truths. Secondly, you need to expect to fight. Third, you need to listen to and yield to the Holy Spirit as you're in the Word of God. Fourthly, you need to forgive every hurt. This is key to the freedom from the old man. Because unforgiveness is Satan's fastest way to reach in and unplug any Christian from the power of the Holy Spirit in them. Now that a person is saved from sin's grip on their lives, they're also saved from the need for justice. Watch. See, people have hurt you. People have been against you. But let's be real honest. I hurt God. I lived in disobedience to God. I lived without God. And yet He paid for all my sins. He also paid for all their sins against me. Here's the truth. If I want to be free from my old man, if I'm walking in the Spirit, I will forgive every hurt that keeps coming up in my old man, keeps coming up in my old memories, keeps showing up in my thoughts, I've got to forgive them just as much as he has forgiven me. Someone who wrote this, forgiving someone may cost you your pride, but not forgive them will always cost you your freedom in Christ. There's an illustration in the Bible. Uh, I'll talk about, let me say, forget every incident of hurt against you. There's an incident in the Bible. I need you to go to Acts chapter 28, which is really cute. Acts chapter 28, verse 2. Where Paul 
actively, physically shook off something that attacked him. Acts chapter 28 and verse 2. And the barbarous people of Melita, which we call Malta, showed us no little kindness. They were very kind to us, for they kindled a fire. It was raining because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper. Now, a viper is a poisonous snake, rapid snake bite. A viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Verse 4, when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said to themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. What are they expecting to do? Drop dead in about 10 minutes. Verse 5, what did Paul do? He shook it off into the fire, and he felt no harm. Now, what's that a great picture of? Somebody attacks you personally. Somebody mocks you. Somebody takes a job from you. Somebody parks in a parking space ahead of you. Somebody gets, gets a, a promotion instead of you. Uh, somebody doesn't recognize you. Somebody doesn't give you any attention. Shake it off. Amen. That hurt. Well, of course it hurt. Well, what they said hurt. Well, tell them it hurt and then forget about it. Shake it off. You see, the most, the, the best thing the devil wants to do is to get that old flesh to get mad and go, how dare, how can he say that? He shouldn't be able to say that. I'll never listen to him again. That's the flesh. That's not the spirit of God. Do you know what people, do you know what people end up doing? And they're Christians. They end up completely rejecting the Holy Spirit and going back into the flesh by their own will because they've been hurt. And that's why the most important thing of all these things is forgive every hurt. Christ died for that hurt. He died for your disobedience to him and your hurt of his holy name and your breaking of his commandments. He died also for their hurt against you. What does it mean? It means love each other as brethren. You know, if you, well, let me say this back here, forget every incident of hurt. Keeping the memories of how many people have hurt you and what they did is only going to enslave you to the power they had on you back then. When somebody hurts you physically, emotionally, I don't care how, they had power over you, didn't they? And if you keep bringing that stuff up and you let the devil keep bringing that up and your flesh keeps bringing that up and you just start, they have you again. They own you. And you're enslaved to that power. So we're told to forget and forgive. And only by the grace of God can you do that. But the Spirit of God forgives. The Spirit of God brings liberty, brings freedom, brings where you say, Lord, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to think about it. You know, when the disciples were told to go from town to town and preach in a village, when they go and if the people rejected them, and as they headed out the town, you know what Jesus said? Make sure you wipe the dust off your feet. You know why he said that? So that you don't even carry the dust into the next town, much less the memory of their rejection. If they rejected you, don't even carry that dust of that town into the, just go in there fresh like this is your first town. Fresh like, let's see if these guys get saved. Never carrying the bitterness of rejection into the next day. Secondly, 
love each other as brethren. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto... I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm trying to do things like a blind man, learning all over again, how to just listen to the Holy Spirit, how to feel my way through, letting Him pull and letting Him push and letting Him direct my life. Look, as many of you as are, uh, have been, uh, for brethren, you have been called on liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh again, but by love you should do what? Serve one another. Go to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, right after Hebrews, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. You know what unfeigned means? No fakeness, no fraud, no, no hypocrisy but with real love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart. How? When was the last time you ever felt like somebody loved you fervently? Besides your parents, maybe your husband or your wife. We're commanded to love one another fervently. That's kind of hard when you're holding a grudge. When you're keeping the memories when they're hurting you all the time and you just can't forgive them, love one another fervently. First Peter chapter 3, look in chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one another. Love as what? Your family. I don't want to hear about any other family than this one. Amen. This is the family that we love. Now you love your family. You love the people in your extended family. But this says, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, just before Revelation. 1 John 3, 14. <clears throat> or 3, 8. No, 3, 14. Three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we... Love the brethren, and he loveth not his brother, abideth still in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life in him. Verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Forgive every hurt if you want to be free from your flesh's Lusts. Otherwise, all your memories, your flesh, your emotions, your bitterness will keep you in a prison you wouldn't want your worst enemy to live in. I try to tell you how to walk in the Spirit of God, how to actually close your eyes and say, and I remember as a, uh, I was in, I think I was in third class. It wasn't very bright. We learned about blindness, and my teacher, I remember I fell in love with her. Her name was Mrs. Hofstetter. I wanted to marry her. Ah, third grade. Anyway, 
In third class, she had a whole day and she taught about what it meant to be blind. So we had to wear blindfolds. We had to find our way around the room and it was all fun. It was all interesting. I'd never thought that people were blind or born blind or had to deal with being blind. We were told to try to find our way through and how to listen to a voice and to obey the voice telling you, don't go there, turn left. It was really great, but at the end, when the class was dismissed, it was recess, my second favorite class. When it came to recess, we all bolted out the door and we we're going out to the playground on the outside. And guess what I did? I pretended like I was still blind. I closed my eyes and I started running and wham, I ran into the flagpole. I now opened my eyes and there were about six kids looking over. Are you okay? I was, not, I, I was not ready to walk a different way. I thought I could just switch and just act blind. Folks, if you think you can walk in the Spirit without, without adapting and without learning these things, you're going to hit the wall. You need to pray and say, Lord, teach me how to walk in the Spirit because I want to have that liberty. I, I, I want to want to be free from the old me. We learned that God ignored, aren't you glad that when you got saved, He ignored all your flesh and He just focused on giving life in your spirit. Now, people always have this backwards. They're trying to fix their flesh. They're trying to stop their flesh from watching, from saying, from eating, from doing, and you're doing it wrong. Walk in the Spirit and the flesh dies. It's got to be learned like any child learns to walk. It's not automatic. Just like anybody who becomes blind learns to walk differently. Walk in the Spirit has become a way of life because if you do not learn to walk in the Spirit, another spirit will lead you. The spirit of this world, the darkness of this world, even as a Christian, will take you and pull you down. If you haven't felt it yet, i got to tell you, in the next few weeks you will feel it. It happens every year at this time. Just the spirit of this world, the God of this world just comes in and the darkness just pulls. And if you don't have a way where you're walking by another spirit, he'll pull you the wrong way. It's not automatic to just walk in the Spirit. You've got to choose to every day. It all rests on believing key gospel truths, expecting the fight, learning to listen to and yield to the Holy Spirit and forgive every hurt that you still remember. Isn't that better? Isn't it better just to work on those things than trying to, well, I'm trying to give up cigarettes, Pastor. Well, I'm trying to give up my, my, my addiction to the Internet. I'm trying to give up my bad attitude. When... You work on those things, and all of that disappears. But only, this is only for a born-again Christian. Only a born-again Christian can walk in the Spirit. If this is crazy, and somebody who's not saved, and that's how you know you're saved. This doesn't mean anything to you. Don't want anything to do with it. It ought to scare you. Because Jesus said that there is an end. And if you're not born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. So if you're only religious, or you believe in creeds and churches and religions, or believe in yourself or good works, you'll waste all your best efforts and miss heaven, and you will die in your sins still, and you will spend eternity in hell when that's not what God wants. Isn't it funny? For me to escape hell, I just have to follow Jesus. I just have to want to listen to His voice. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I give unto them, eternal life, Jesus. You want to struggle with sin, try to make yourself a better person, you'll waste your best efforts. But Jesus said, all you have to do is be born all over again, not in a physical way, 
receive new life in your spirit. I got saved 39 years ago, and anybody who's saved will tell you, it just took you crying out with all your heart, crying out with the most desperate cry, I, 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 I'm lost, I'm without hope, I'm without God, I hate my sin, I cry out to you, please save me. Don't know how to pray, I don't know what to do, but if you'll take me, I want to be saved. What's a prayer you can pray? That. You don't need to begin with our Father. or Just go to the boss and go right to the top and say, save me. I don't want to be in my sin anymore. I don't want to end up in a devil's hell. I don't want to be me. I want to be like Jesus. That'll work. Now, if you're saved, wouldn't you like to just keep that attitude and say, Lord, make me more and more and more like you? Let's stand, let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I, I understand the battles that go on in me. I know this flesh does not like to be ignored. I know the devil doesn't like to be ignored. I know the world doesn't like to be ignored. But I'm tired of worrying about them. It's the biggest shame when your Holy Spirit is ignored. And in this moment, I pray that we would focus on the only power that will give us liberty and freedom from our flesh. God, uh, please help us right in this moment to consider our lives and to look at our attitudes and say, you know, I'm probably not led of the Spirit very much at all. I'm probably the only boss in our home. I'm probably in charge of everything instead of the Holy Spirit of God. I have never yet learned to yield, and I'm sorry. God, I pray there'd be some repentance this morning because we need you. If we don't get this battle won in us, we will never win any of the battles outside of us. And all we have to do is to let you lead. If we would just hunger for that, if we just wanted that. Lord, in this room are always some precious people. I don't know, saved or lost. But I pray they hear your voice saying, today is your day. I ask that the Holy Spirit would convict somebody this morning of their sin and that they have tried their best to be good, moral, but they are not saved. They have not been born again. They've never cried out to be born again. They've only just come and gone from church. God, please put the fear of God in them that this may be their last chance, that they need to be saved today. And If they're not saved, if they, if they would just come to me, I will take all day. May they have the courage to let me talk to them and lead them through the scriptures because all they got to do is believe what this Bible says and they will be saved. Lord, um, help us now to walk in the Spirit. Even for the next few hours, help us to know what it's like 
and then wish it for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.